RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. Let's face it, nobody wakes up going, Mummy, 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 I want to be a property tax underwriter when I grow up. You know, it just doesn't happen. And this goes back to our problem, which is we have never promoted specialty insurance as a destination career. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner in the law firm RPC. And in each episode, I am joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week, we have Caroline Wagstaff and we're going to discuss the London Market Group. Caroline started her career as a commodity trader before moving into marketing, which included five years as Director of Marketing at Lloyd's of London. In 2005, though, Caroline became Managing Director of Lucid Communication, which subsequently became Luther Pendragon. Whilst there, she worked with a host of clients in the financial services sector, including a number of insurers. But after 17 years, she made the leap to be CEO of the London Market Group, which is what we're going to discuss today. So, Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's lovely to be here. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you started out your career as a uh, commodity trader. So how did you end up where you are now as CEO of the London Market Group? So I look back at my career and I describe it as a sort of series of adventures in rather obscure bits of financial services. So I was a commodity trader for a year, which it turned out I hated. Uh, it, everyone said it was going to be very exciting. And actually, I traded wheat and barley and it was really dull because you had to watch it grow. I mean, not physically watch it grow, but, you know, wait for it to grow. Um, I then worked in spread betting for a number of years, which was very exciting. Uh, I then worked as a, in an interdealer broking house. And I ended up in insurance because a colleague of mine who had been on my MBA course with me was at Lloyd's and rang me up one day and said, we're looking for a new head of marketing. And I don't know what you do, but it always sounds quite interesting. Can you come in and have a chat? And on that, you know, the next 25 years of my life was uh, was predicated. <laughs> on such strange things do, do careers turn. Exactly. And now you're obviously the, the, the CEO of, of the London Market Group. Um, so please introduce us to the London Market Group. What is it? What does it do? Et cetera, et cetera. Why does it exist? Exactly. So the London Market Group is a trade body of trade bodies. What that means is that we have four key stakeholders, which is Lloyd's, the Lloyd's Market Association, LIBA, which represents the brokers, and the IUA representing the company market. And any company that is a member of one of those bodies is therefore essentially de facto a member of the London Market Group. But we only have these four stakeholders, individual businesses don't become members of us. Where we act is obviously those people do a fantastic job in representing the interests of their members and sector of the market. But there are certain topics and with certain stakeholders where we want to engage cross market. And that's why the LMG exists. Brilliant. But um, you mentioned the phrase, the London market, and obviously the London market group is centered around the London market. But um, it's it's one of those phrases that that is banded around insurance um, a lot in the belief that everybody knows what it is and everybody means the same thing by it. But um, I'm not always convinced that, that people do. And sometimes you get the feeling that people talk at cross purposes. So what is your definition of the London market? 
So my definition is it is the ecosystem that sits broadly within 500 meters of the Lloyds building. So there are 350 companies within that ecosystem covering brokers, insurers, and service providers. And that for me is a really important definition of the London market. I mean, we represent the kind of brokers and the insurers, but we wouldn't be the London market without the great services of law firms, accountancy firms, claims handlers, all of those things are make up the ecosystem. And it's structure that makes it different. There are very few uh, places that are genuinely unique. And London is genuinely unique because we are a marketplace. We compete and we collaborate at the same time. We take larger risks. We pool capital so that we can provide bigger and better solutions. And that, to me, is what the London market is about. For me, the London market is unique. We are still, even after COVID, a physically co-located structure of businesses that come together to solve clients' problems. And it's why I took the job. I think it is a genuinely amazing thing for the kind of world of business and the economy and just getting things done. And according to uh, the, the LMG website, it employs over 48,000 people as well. Is that right? It does. And, and they're not all in London, but you know, a fair slug of them are. And the really killer stats for me about the London market are it writes $120 billion of premium. That means it is twice as large as Bermuda. It's bigger than most of its nearest competitors combined. So it's got real heft which has tremendous advantages for clients. And the fact that I think until about five years ago was, was less well known, was we make a significant contribution to GDP. But when people talk about the city, you know, people generally don't think about specialty insurance. They think about fund management or you know, banking or, or whatever. And yeah, actually insurance is a really significant part of that, that city GDP. And that's one of the things we work quite hard to to be heard and be represented uh, in places where, where we need to be. And uh, a couple of kind of very quick follow-up questions as to, to what is the London market. Does the LNG represent MGAs? No. And does the LNG represent insurers and or brokers based in the UK but outside London? So the critical criteria would be they would need to be members of either LIBA or the IUA or the LMA. Fine. So essentially, that that if they become members of those bodies, then they're covered by the London market. And on, on the LMG's website, it says that the LMG wants, quote, uh, to create a business environment in which the market can flourish, close quote. And uh, it also says that, that there are three core areas of focus. So first, working with government. Uh, second, looking to make specialty insurance a destination career for, for young people. And uh, third, uh, promoting the market to business producers in the US and, and the UK. So, so is it okay if we discuss each one of those in turn? Yeah. Um, so with government, uh, kind of a very practical question, how often do you meet with government? What do you talk about with them? So uh, government is a useful shorthand, but as I say, it does have a number of constituent parts because it is literally all very well saying talking to number 11. But if the occupant of number 11 keeps changing... You do need some, what I call, you need some foundations of people who know you and understand you. 
So we do meet with, with MPs, we do meet with peers, we do meet with civil servants, and we do meet with, with members of the government. I can say that in, since I took the job, uh, so which is April last year, so about 18 months, uh, I have had you know innumerable meetings with all of those different constituents. Um, and you learn that we're not always top of their list because you know there are not that many MPs, for example, whose constituents are affected by the London market. But there are quite a lot who are interested in financial services and they understand. I mean, financial services as a whole is 10% of the UK's GDP. I mean, that's a staggering amount of money. And so they understand that it's a very important segment. So they, they do pay attention. Um, and we meet the relevant city ministers. So I, I, you know, I've met Rishi Sunak and John Glenn and Richard Fuller and Andrew Griffith. It's, it's a continuous, um, even on a good day when the government isn't changing, <laughs> changing its mind every 30 minutes. Uh, it's, you know, it's a process. You just have to keep doing it. You've said that government in the loose term hasn't historically had a great understanding of insurance, um, that the the report that was prepared, when was that, 20? Well, the first London Matters report, I think, was 2014. 2014. And so that was the benchmark. And that was the first time that the London market knew how many people it employed, what its market share was, and so forth. So, And part of that was so that we could go to government and tell that story. It is staggering how a sector which is so huge can be so hidden for, for so long. I, I think that's true. And, and it's a really interesting debate. Uh, and having been in the market for 20 years, you know, I'm as aware of everybody as, as you, you know, go to a social event and, and you say you work in insurance and first of all, people ask you about your car policy. And, and then when you say to them, no, we don't do that, we do kind of slightly more exciting stuff, they all look a bit sort of astonished or blank or you know, they've heard of Betty Grable's legs and satellites, and that's about it. I personally think that in a way, we slightly have ourselves to blame for that. One of the flip sides, I think, about being a village is that we are quite insular as an industry. And even if you cross Bishopsgate and you go into other bits of the city, they don't know about specialty insurance. And so we've done a pretty poor job as an industry, I think, in getting our story out to other people who should know about us. And certainly one of my real ambitions is to do more of that. So I spend quite a lot of time talking to other trade associations, to the Investment Association or UK Finance, which represents banking, so that they understand what insurance wants and what we're doing, um, You know, as well as trying to work closely with what I call the insurance family. So the ABI and AMIC and and Bieber. So I think that we have ourselves to blame for being hidden. We've done a very poor job at our own publicity. I, I absolutely agree with that. And you, you described uh, a bit earlier on insurance being insular. And you think, how can, I mean, every single human being in the UK probably has two or three insurance policies, at least. So as an industry, insurance touches the lives of every single person in the country. And yet somehow, <laughs> somehow we still don't make it clear to people how insurance underpins everything. I think that's true. I mean, my counterpart to that would be, yes, everyone also pays taxes and none of us understand them. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're all aware of taxes. Uh, and everyone's aware of insurance, but not always in a, not always in a good way. But the point is, one of the problems we have to solve 
is we need to tell a better story yeah. about the industry we represent. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but taxes is an interesting one because governments live or die on taxes. Mm. So, but they don't live or die on insurance. In fact, I can't remember the last time any party ever said anything interesting about insurance. <laughs> no. Which brings us quickly onto the financial services and, and, and markets bill. Probably about a third of our, our listeners are, are overseas. Um, so could you quickly summarise what the financial services and markets bill is trying to do and, and, and your view on it, how you think it should go? The simple answer to that is, is it is bringing onshore the legislation that used to sit in the EU. So it's part of the Brexit process. And uh, it's the first time I think financial services legislation has been looked at in 20 years. So, A, the world has moved on quite considerably uh, in that time. Uh, obviously, it's gone through a number of, of things like the financial crisis and so forth. And what that does is, it, A, it means that there's um, legislation that needs to be brought over, but it gives us the opportunity to look at that and say, does that work best for the UK? While also bearing in mind that we do want regulation to retain some relevance to other jurisdictions. So it's a great opportunity to at least ask the question of what could we adapt to make our financial services businesses more competitive. From a London market perspective, there are some what I'd call administrative things where we think there's some reporting that needs to go into Europe that you know we'd rather not have any more and we don't see the value of. But the big thing for us is that for the first time, the government has decided to include a secondary objective for the regulators, for the UK regulators, where they have to think about growth and competitiveness uh, when they're thinking about the regulation they're bringing into force. And we think that's a really important thing because we think the regulators uh, could be more responsive, could definitely be a bit more consistent, and you know, could definitely be a bit more nimble in their response. Because we think that there are regulatory barriers to capital, business and people coming into the London market. Uh, and you only need to go and talk to firms that are operating in the market about their experiences of dealing with the regulators and you see what the problem is. And we have one sort of, I always think these things sound fantastically theoretical, but we have a fantastic case study for this, which is five years ago, the UK introduced uh, an ILS regime for insurance linked securities huge market across the world, has been growing very fast. UK had none of it. So the regime got introduced with the PRA, with the government. Great. This is a whole new sort of string to the London market bow, where we have lots of ILS experts. And the market has done five since then. Compare and contrast, Singapore lifted and dropped the UK regime into their own framework. They've done 18 in the last year. Why has Singapore done more than London? The answer is the regulator is nimbler, more responsive, and understands the risk that's actually being posed by the ILS. The PRA has been very cautious, very risk averse, and very slow. Very prudent, you could say. Very prudent. But, you know, I think there was a great phrase that was used by someone, the stability of the grave. <laughs> uh, yes, that's that. That is a very good phrase. Very good phrase. Um, and that's sort of the, we had Stephen Weinstein of of Bermuda um, on the podcast earlier this year, maybe last year, 
Um, and he was talking about the, the very, very close relationship between the Bermuda insurance community and, and the Bermuda regulators. Um, by the sounds of it, that's that's a sort of relationship that we can only dream of in the UK at the moment. Yes. So one of the things we think would be really fantastic, which is you go to Singapore, you go to Bermuda. And what happens is they kind of lay out the welcome mat. Somebody turns up and says, how can we help? We're not going to lower the barriers for you, but we can help you understand what they are, what, what's needed, get over them. Have you thought about office space? Have you thought about visas for staff? You know, people want to make it happen. By contrast, what I'm told here is you get pointed at the PRA website and then, you know, and left to your own devices. So the first thing you do is hire a very good lawyer, possibly from a firm like RPC, but that's, you know, not, doesn't feel very welcoming. And that's what we really want with this growth and competitiveness objective, is we want something that creates a set of welcome. Not that we're just going to let anybody in, but that we will try to make it happen for them. The answer isn't always, oh, that looks difficult and complicated, or no, or, you know, we'll get back to you at, at some point. Because, you know, let's go back to the ILS regime. The people that are doing that are sophisticated investors. They know what they're doing. The structures are quite similar. They just need a dialogue with the regulator. And they need to make it happen. That's government, which also includes kind of <laughs> regulation. Um, yes. That talent was, so the three core areas, government, talent, and promotion. Let's move on to talent uh, now. Um, first of all, do you think that insurance is failing to attract young talent? It's not failing. I am fantastically encouraged for the future of the London market when I meet the young people who, who work in it. They are smart, they're diverse by you know, gender, ethnicity, background, education. You know, they're enthusiastic, they love the market. And I meet them and I see them, I, you know, meet a crowd of them and I, I feel really infused. The problem is, um, Back to my God, what is the problem we're trying to solve? If you sat in a room, I, I play this game at conferences, you know, there's a room of 200 people in front of you and you say, hands up, how many of you fell into insurance? And that'll be half the room. Any given room you're in, that's half the room. Then you say, hands up, who got into the market because they knew somebody who was already in it, family or friend. And that's the other half of the room. <laughs> so, so the number of people who sit down, you know, Let's face it, nobody wakes up going, mummy, 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 I want to be a property fact underwriter when I grow up. You know, it just doesn't happen. So that is, I think, the issue, which is I don't think we're seeing the broadest pool of talent that we could see from as many range of places to give us the diversity of thought and background that we need for the market to really flourish. And this goes back to our problem, which is we have never promoted specialty insurance as a destination career. We have hired family and friends. We have had people who've fallen into the market. And when people get here, and again, if I go back to conversations I have with young people, they're like, oh, and I just tell people, I just, it's amazing. You know, there's, it's a great community. We do societal good. There's good life work balance. I have a lot of fun. I get to do, you know, really astonishing things. Why does nobody know about it? So what can we do about it, Caroline? Well, it's not what we could do about it, it's what we are doing about it. So what we're doing is we have launched this month a really um, targeted campaign 
and this is you know this is the first foot on the ladder so let's we're not there at the top yet by any stretch of the imagination but we have just look we're looking at three things currently the first is telling a better story about specialty insurance and getting cut through against other things that young people might be considering so we've created some really fantastic films showing what risk is all about uh, we've created a website london insurance life where young people can go and find out about you know what we do and we're not doing that in a way that talks about what we do so we don't talk about property fact underwriting oddly oh. enough i know disappointing so what we've got is i call it the passions page it says what are you interested in as a young person? You know, are you interested in celebrities or cars or sport? And you click on the button of the thing that you're passionate about. And there are underwriters and brokers talking about what they do on a day-to-day -day basis in that space. So it might be event insurance, it might be bloodstock, it might be someone who's doing NFTs and crypto. And it is unashamedly what I call the sparkly end of the market. You know, as I say, if someone the, talks sorry, about, the, the even sparklier end of the market. Yes, even sparklier. Thank you. I mean, you can see why my career as a diplomat never went anywhere. <laughs> because if people talk about investment banking, no one tells you about the team of 300 compliance officers. They tell you about traders waving their hands around and trading billions of dollars or doing multi-million pound M&A deals. So my view is we just tell them about the stuff that they're going to find interesting and engaging. So we telling a better story, we're creating a single point of entry because we don't have any marquee names in the market. We don't have a Goldman Sachs or a NatWest or a Clifford Chance. We don't have names that people recognize. So you need to send people to one place rather than, than thinking, well, specialty insurance looks interesting, but how do I find out who's employing? So the last thing we've done on the site is to create a jobs board so that anybody in the market who's got entry-level roles, apprentices, graduate programs, work experience, internships, anything for young people can put it on there and the traffic that goes to our website will see it. So that's the first thing. Tell a better story, get cut through, you know, make us stand out. Having done that, we've then got two programs, one at universities and one at schools, to try and raise the profile of specialty insurance. So we've picked 15 to 20 universities mostly who do some form of risk or insurance or finance, not because we think that's the only place we want to hire from, but you've got to start somewhere. So that will be universities. And then for schools and colleges, we're going to pick 50 schools around the M25. We're going to put materials onto school uh, curriculum, which talk about insurance that the teachers can use when they're teaching business studies or careers or whatever. We're going to have an outreach program of events, and we hope that will culminate next summer in a Futures Academy here in the London market for 100 sixth formers who can come and do a week's work experience. Wow, that's absolutely brilliant. That's that's absolutely fantastic. And how, I appreciate it's only early days um, with that sort of campaign, but do you feel that you're already getting traction? We've had amazing traction from the market. We've got lots of companies really interested in it. I think this is tapping into a sort of vein of sort of ambition and frustration in slightly equal measure in a lot of companies. The thing about when I talk about 350 businesses in the London market is that there are about 10 to 12 businesses of size who recruit young people at scale. And by that, I mean sort of 50 to 100 people in, in a year. 
there are then quite a long tail of small to medium-sized businesses who are only looking for maybe one to five people. And they tend to be small businesses and maybe don't have the resources that the big businesses have. And I feel that if we can industrialize what we do and bring people together and do it collectively, then we'll get a better result. And so we're seeing lots of enthusiasm for the market. We've been launching a campaign on social media to really educate the market. We've done some events. We're posting all the films. We're posting lots of the profiles of our great young uh, risk heroes, as I call them. And so we're getting really good traction from the market. Um, most of the university stuff will start in November. So the competitions will go, go live. And then obviously the sort of grad programs will open up. So we'll be supporting all of that with social media. And this is the interesting thing, which is you've got to engage with the people in the places that they are in. So, you know, we need to be and we will be on TikTok. Uh, we are active on Instagram. We're active on Facebook. You know, and increasingly on LinkedIn, because actually we do know that lots of young people, when they start looking for jobs, go and, and register on LinkedIn. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. If I had a pound for everyone who tells me, oh, Caroline, you should be going out to schools to talk about careers and insurance. The answer is there's only one of me and I'm a middle aged white woman. Why would anybody be interested in my view on life? We need to get relatable role models to the market through social media channels to reach the people that we need to reach. And that's what we're going to be doing. That's talent. Um, lots, lots of good news story there. That's absolutely fantastic. And the final one is, is uh, uh, the promotion of, of the London market. Yeah. First of all, what does that mean? And I, I guess my immediate question is, is promotion to whom? If you go back and look at the London market data, um, the biggest sources of business into the London market is North America and the UK. So that answers the question sort of, where are we doing this? Where are we promoting our services? And you might say, well, if, if we're already quite big suppliers there, why would we promote ourselves further? Well, the answer is the US is the biggest insurance market and it's not getting any smaller. And quite a lot of the domestic market is retrenching. And we, we've seen that the excess and surplus lines market is, is growing and a lot more of that is coming to the UK. So we do want to make sure that we're front of mind as the place where people want to send business. And so the, so that's the where. The who is mainly brokers because they're the people who actually bring us the business. It's very important that the intermediaries are in, know what's going on. And then again, what are we trying to do? I am trying to showcase the fantastic knowledge and expertise that sits in the London market. The campaign is called London Makes It Possible. And I think that's a real, really good sort of strap line for what we're trying to do. We're trying to solve people's risk problems and, you know, get them to transfer their risk uh, and do it, you know, big, bigger risks than anyone else and more complicated risks than anyone else. And it's a digital campaign. So there's a, a website called London Makes It Possible. It's a fantastic wealth. When you look at it, you just think, wow, that's the London market we've got. We've got podcasts too, Peter. There's podcasts sort of competition here. Uh, we've got videos. You know, we're looking at climate change. We've got a whole climate change space. Talks about what products the Sustainable Markets Initiative is offering. You know, you go to it and you just think, wow, this is the London market. It's also got, um, we've put some educational materials up there because we know that young US brokers find London, it's a bit sort of like it's a mythical beast. I've heard about the London market, but how does it work? 
so we've done some uh, online education. We've got three little learning courses. How does, how does the London market work? How does business get into it? How do claims get settled? Um, very interactive, lovely stories of dramatis personae and, and, and so forth. Brilliant. And um, how, how would you say that London is currently faring as against sort of the other big insurance hubs at the moment? So kind of Bermuda, Zurich, uh, Singapore and, and so on. Uh, our rate of growth is slower and our market share is stagnant. So I don't I think those data points probably tell us what the problem is. There is no doubt there is no room for complacency. You know, there are other markets. If you talk to Bermuda, they did a, um, a rather neat, actually, promotional film at the end of last year, all about their climate change ambitions and and experience and done by, I think, the Bermuda Development uh, Agency. And the two things they talked about were their kind of historic roots in, in climate risk coming from underwriting hurricane and storm and all sorts of stuff. And the other thing they interestingly added was how deep their regulator's expertise was about the market, how agile their response was and so forth. Let's be frank, they want to eat our lunch. <laughs> and they're quite clear about it. And we've got great climate change expertise and all that sort of stuff here. Do we have regulators that we would describe as you know, deeply knowledgeable and nimble? Probably not so much. And Singapore is the same. Singapore's ambitions are really clear. They want to be the leading financial services center in Asia. And they're really committed to it. They've got smart people and people who deal with them are very impressed by them. So we have no room for complacency. It's why, in a way, that's why these are three legs of the same stool. You know, we need all of these legs to be in balance. We need the promotion. We need to grow the market. We need the regulators to be behind that. We need the talent to be able to come up with new solutions and to come up with the kind of products for the next 20 years and to think about things in a different way. So on, on your website, uh, the, the, the LMG website asks a key question, which is, why does London matter? So th this is this is your elevator pitch, Charles, Caroline, which is, why does London matter? I think London matters because it is the place where people bring large, difficult, complex risks to get them solved. That doesn't mean they actually even need to always be underwritten in London. They might be partly underwritten in London, partly underwritten in other centres. But the expertise and a lot of the capital that gets those solutions done for people sits here in London. And it's only London that is large enough and expert enough to do that. And that's because it's a marketplace. It's not one single carrier. That's why London matters. The very final question, uh, and we've touched upon this before, but if you were standing in front of uh, um, a, a class of 17 year olds um, in, in a school within the M25, what would you say to them about, you know, why should they enter the insurance world? I would say it offers the opportunity to look at almost every part of the world, the economy, politics. So whatever you're interested in, there's a bit of insurance that will work for you, that you can work with incredible like-minded people, be given tremendous responsibility, I think, at, a, at an early age. I think this market retains a huge amount of flexibility. And you will find what I have found over 20 years of working in the London market, which is it's an amazing community to be part of. You make great friends, you work with fascinating people, 
you learn heaps and heaps about different things and you have a lot of fun. Thank you, Caroline. That was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. RPC Radio. Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also love our other podcasts, Taxing Matters and Money Covered, plus The Fix, which is co-hosted by my colleague Kelly Thompson. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.